This is the Italian Real Estate Podcast, here to help you with the ins and outs and basics of Italian real estate presented by ItalianRealEstateLawyers.com. Hello there and welcome to another edition of the Italian Real Estate Podcast presented by ItalianRealEstateLawyers.com. We, of course, are back here again with Italian attorney Marco Permunian. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. And of course, I'm Raffaele Di Furia. And today, we wanted to go over a topic in a little bit more detail that we've touched on in the past, and that's the difference between the proposal for a property and the preliminary agreement. And so what are the differences between those and what may be necessary between them and why each one of them can be so important during the purchasing process. But Marco, I guess maybe we should just start out with the very simple facts of really kind of where in the process does this fit and why is this something that would be of concern to somebody, not necessarily concern, but what they should, why they should take this into account during the process. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, they wonder why it's necessary to go through a multi-step process when they see a property that they like, uh, whether it's a land or a house. So they they ask us, why do I have to get into um, why do I have to sign several agreements just to buy that property? Isn't it enough to buy, to sign one agreement um, that transfers, you know, the ownership rights from the seller to me? And the answer is that potentially you could also go straight to the final, let's call it final agreement, the agreement that transfers the ownership rights from the seller to the buyer. And, you know, especially if you have a good relationship with the seller, if you know the seller, um, the, it's clear that the property has no problems. Why would you want to um, enter into unnecessary agreements? And the answer is that you can do that if, if you feel like going straight to the final agreement is the answer in your case. But the truth is that most people don't do it, especially when you don't know the seller. And especially when you're buying a property, maybe from abroad, it's advisable to go through all the necessary steps because they have a specific meaning. But I believe that what people wonder is, why do I have to enter into a preliminary agreement if I have an offer that is marked as accepted? What's the purpose of the preliminary agreement? And that's a very good question. Uh, neither the accepted offer nor the preliminary agreement are needed, like I said a moment ago, uh, by law. The, the only necessary contract is the final contract that transfers the ownership rights from one party to the other. But normally, especially when you're dealing with a real estate agent, you the, fir- the very first step of the process will be to put in writing your intention to buy the property. So set the price that you are willing to pay for that property. And normally the real estate, you will normally meet at the real estate agent's office to sign such proposal, which then the real estate agent will send to the seller who can disregard the proposal or mark it as accepted, meaning countersign the proposal which normally sets out all of the terms of the sale, meaning the price, the deposit that you're willing to pay, uh, the time by which you have to enter into the final contract of sale. Um, And also there was some uh, confusion even in Italy 
about whether the accepted offer already constitutes a preliminary agreement and the Supreme Court uh, ruled in the recent year um, and basically confirmed that the accepted offer can constitute a preliminary agreement if it includes all of the terms that should be included in the preliminary agreement. So in most cases, the accepted offer already constitutes a preliminary agreement, especially if um, you deal with a real estate agent. Um, so after that's being countersigned by the seller, you could go straight to the, let's call it final deed. So when it's necessary, on the other hand, to sign a preliminary contract, which is technically speaking, different from an accepted offer. Well, especially if you're not going through a real estate agent, you might feel the need to have a separate contract, which is called preliminary agreement or compromesso in Italian, uh, which is a proper contract. So not just a form provided by the agent, uh, which is signed by the seller when the seller accepts the offer. The preliminary agreement is a proper contract which could also be signed before the public notary. It's not necessary, but a lot of people decide to do it because if you just sign a preliminary agreement, uh, if the agreement is broken, meaning the seller refuses to proceed um, with the sale, if such agreement was not recorded to the, through the notary office in the public registries then the only thing that you can do is you can go after the seller and you know ask for uh, money um, because you you know you lost your opportunity to buy uh, the property and because you wasted your time but if the agreement was on the other hand recorded through the notary's office then that agreement um, allows you to stop the sale to another person, meaning that if you entered into a preliminary agreement and the seller now decides that they don't like you anymore, they want to sell to somebody else, if such agreement was not recorded through the notary's office, then the only thing you can do is you can go after the seller and ask for money. But if such agreement was also recorded through the notary's office, then you can also stop a potential sale from the seller to somebody else. Interesting. And so, sorry, just to take things back maybe a couple of steps here to clarify one thing is this the part of the process that we've spoken about in the past where when you are making um a proposal that you do also send a certain amount of money along with that proposal or am i mistaken here yes normally when you submit the proposal you also attach a payment normally in the form of a check to basically lock the sale so from that moment, from when the, the proposal is accepted and the money is cashed, then the seller is obligated to sell to you mm -hmm. unless something, which of course needs to be justified, that prevents the sale comes up. So that's the purpose of paying a security deposit. And normally that's done at the moment in which the proposal is submitted. Of course, if there is no proposal, uh, and the parties directly enter into a preliminary agreement, that's the moment in which normally a security deposit is uh, paid. And that's normally equal to the 10%, but it could be higher depending on what the parties want, uh, the 10% of the um, purchase price. Uh, okay, and that makes sense. Thank you so much for clarifying that. And then I guess just to clarify also a little bit more, 
when we're talking about this money that's been exchanged. Just to confirm, I think you kind of mentioned it here, but just to just maybe go over it one more time. Does that really lock it in for the the person who's making the purchase? Can the owner pull out at any point? Um, you mentioned about that there could be an amount that they might have to pay back in the past, and I think you mentioned it in this episode as well. But maybe just to clarify that one little point, um, I think if you don't mind, would be worthwhile for the audience. Yeah, by law, the transaction is basically protected, meaning that if one of the parties backs out, either the um, amount that was paid needs to be returned, or the double will need to be returned, depending on uh, which is the party that uh, basically backs out. So if it's the seller that backs out, then the seller will need to return double the amount that was received. On the other hand, if it is the buyer that backs out, then the amount that was paid as a deposit will be lost. Okay, so that's, that's I think, a very, very important factor to understand during this process that you theoretically could, but you do have the chance of losing out on some money there. Thank you for clarifying that. And maybe to clarify one other point, uh, on this proposal, you mentioned that there would be the, the information about the, 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 what's being sent, like how much money. But what kind of overall does that, that, that agreement look like? What kind of information should be included on that? So there's certain information that you should include in the proposal. And like I said, normally, if you're dealing with a real estate agent, they will have a um, form that they use uh, all the time. And such form normally includes, you know, the name of the seller, the name of the buyer, uh, the exact information for the land or property that you intend to purchase. And I'm talking about the uh, legal information identifying that specific property. Um, in Italy, we have this cadastral information that basically is some data that identifies that property from a legal standpoint. So it's not just the property is located on this street, that this street number, it's really some sort of coordinates that, that identifies identify that property from a legal standpoint. And also uh, the offer will include the time by which it needs to be accepted the amount of the security deposit that is paid when a, when a real estate agent is involved it will identify also the name of the real estate agent and the commission that the that the real estate agent is entitled to and just just to clarify this point the real estate agent is by law entitled to a commission fee even if the deal doesn't close if you if you have an accepted offer, mm -hmm. meaning if the deal falls through because you know one of the parties doesn't want to sell or acquire the property anymore, but because the real estate agent did the work, uh, if a proposal was accepted or a preliminary contract was signed, even if you don't proceed to the final contract, then the real estate agent is entitled to the commission fee anyway. And finally, uh, the proposal will normally include the fact that it's subject to the obtainment of a mortgage, uh, meaning that if a mortgage is not obtained, then the the offer, even if it was accepted, uh, loses basically its 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 value, its legal value. Um, of course, only in the case uh, in which somebody needs to obtain a mortgage. Interesting, and also something I remember that we've spoken about in previous episodes on real estate is also 
during this stage, correct me if I'm wrong, that there's also some checks that have to be done to make sure the owner's the owner, that there's no liens, or that the property is actually sellable? Or am I mistaken in thinking that this is another part of the process? No, that's exactly this part of the process. Basically, the purpose of entering into a preliminary agreement uh, is, or, or having an accepted offer that can constitute a preliminary agreement is to allow the buyer to uh, carry out these, let's call them checks, mm-hmm. um, to make sure that the property is sellable, the owner is the owner, that uh, the property is compliant with the urban uh, planning laws. So you can check that the property is a property that was built uh, in, in compliance with the laws and that uh, you know everything is fine from a legal standpoint, that all the paperwork is there. So that's the purpose of signing a preliminary agreement or having an accepted offer that constitutes a preliminary agreement to allow the time to basically carry out these these checks. And you know, if something doesn't add up, then you can back out and from the the transaction, and that would be justified. And so in that case, if you would have to back out, if something doesn't really line up, would you still lose out on that deposit that you've made? Or does that kind of nullify that? No, of course, no. You know, what you would do probably is, you know, if some paperwork is missing, you would give the seller the ability and the time to rectify the situation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're talking about very unique situations and you would have to see what the um, needs and the state of mind of uh, both of the parties are. If, if it's a time-sensitive uh, deal for you and, you know, if it wasn't indicated a time frame or maybe, maybe even if the time frame was indicated but the seller needs more time, mm-hmm. you may or may not want to give more time. I mean, it all depends on you, on whether you do want the property immediately, if you want to allow the landlord to fix the paperwork, fix the problems. Um, and of course, you know, if there was a deadline for the sale to be completed and if the landlord fails to fix the situation um, and um, you could back out from the sale and you could request that the deposit is given back to you. And of course, mm-hmm. if there's a refusal, refusal you could just uh, proceed to litigation. Of course, we're talking about, you know, Uh, very extreme cases here okay all right so this all makes sense and definitely helps to to kind of shed some light on the situation of course i think it's maybe a a good time to round out this episode so thank you so much again marco for making yourself available to talk about this subject about italian real estate but if anybody is needing help with the purchasing process in italy how can they get in contact with you and the team at italianrealestatelawyers.com People can contact us through our website, italianrealestatelawyers.com, or give us a call. The number is on the website. Absolutely fantastic. And of course, if you're interested in more content like this about living in Italy, making a life with real estate, having your own home or renting a home, whatever it may be, be sure that you're subscribed to the YouTube channel as well as the audio-only podcast. But of course, if you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, you get the added bonus of being automatically subscribed to the Italian Citizenship Podcast that Marco and I also collaborate on, where we talk about actually living in Italy from a legal perspective, how to make that all possible for yourself. And also, if you're interested in more content about life abroad, living abroad, life as an Italian dual citizen expat, 
Be sure that you come over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Rafael D40. You can also find the audio only podcast, Not Your Average Globetrotter. You can search for either my name or Not Your Average Globetrotter, and I'm sure you'll find me somewhere online. But of course, thank you so much again, Marco, for making yourself available. Stay safe and healthy out there, everybody. Of course, this has been another episode of the Italian Real Estate Podcast presented by ItalianRealEstateLawyers.com. And we will see you all next time. Later. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.